Hey, caffeinators. Welcome to the Vet Tech Cafe. The Vet Tech Cafe is a podcast centered around veterinary technicians and nurses, hosted by myself, Dave Cowan, and my good friend, Jeff Backus. We strive to discuss current issues facing our profession and give our colleagues a voice and a medium to enter into these discussions. Our guests are experts in the veterinary field that we hope can help our listeners work towards dealing with these issues, as well as coming up with solutions that can lead to change. If you have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on the Vet Tech Cafe, please contact us at vettechcafe at gmail.com, or you can find us at our website, vettechcafe.com. One thing we would ask of you, our listeners, is to rate and review us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. We're not exactly sure how or why this helps us, but apparently it does. So without further ado, come on in, grab yourself a cup of coffee, and get ready for another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe. All right. Hello, caffeinators. Um, welcome to the uh, to the Vet Tech Cafe here where we always get out on time, no matter when your shift ends. <laughs> Dave, how's it going out there today? It's going pretty good. It's uh, it's actually cooling off a little bit here. I, fall is right around the corner. We actually had a fire outside last night, so it's it's getting into the fall weather out here in North Carolina. How are you guys doing out there? Uh, a little bit of the same. It's it's cool and drizzly here, which is really nice. Same kind of thing. I went over to a friend's house last night to watch a Packers game, and they put a fire mm-hmm. in the fireplace. And you know, by no means was it cold, but it was cooler <laughs> than the hundred degrees it was earlier in the week. So definitely nice. Um, Looking forward to cooler weather, especially as we get into October here. So we uh, we wrapped up IVEX. In fact, I guess we're going to be talking about today was one of the speakers there as well. You know, I know we did a tap room about it, but but what did you think overall? Uh, I I I really enjoyed it. I I really liked getting back to seeing the people. And again, this is my first time speaking at IVEX, so you know, kind of the pinnacle of my career up until this point. So I, I enjoyed seeing all the people. Yeah, you know, we did see some positive numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, coming with covid tests yeah. so but i think the total was six six is what i at least what they what emailed yeah so which but, out of, i mean I out think, of 20 out of 2500 people there that's that's really not that crazy yeah um, yeah that i thought but, the same. i mean as you said I, I don't know what else they could have done right right absolutely yeah. so yeah so you know i i thought the same thing by and large like really great to be back with people and and the events all the things that uh, that they do at IVEX, the speaker moderator dinner, and you know just some mm-hmm. of those fun things, the pinning ceremony. It was great to to get to do all those things again and, and see all of our people. So, want to mention as well, we do have a, a discount code for Wild West Veterinary Conference coming up. Um, that is not next weekend, but the weekend after, uh, up in Reno, Nevada. I'll be speaking at. So you can check out our website um, if you're going to. So be that will up be there. next weekend when this. Yeah, I guess that's true. Uploads. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> will be next weekend. What's when the this date? Uploads. Is that the sixth? The seventh and eighth. Yeah. Seventh and eighth. Um, seventh okay. and eighth. And I think I'm speaking Friday morning, the eighth, for a couple of hours. So if you if you want to check that out, if you're gonna go to Wild West Vet in Reno and you haven't already registered, go to our website for a discount code, vettechcafe.com. And then we're also, Dave, doing the fluid therapy series again for VSPN yeah, in yeah. January. I've, uh, I've been working on that the last couple of days trying to get yeah. all the it's funny, you I, I don't know any of you out there that, that are speakers, but it, it's it's a lot more involved than just yeah. putting together a PowerPoint and giving it. There's there's so many things you got to fill out for some of these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, so look for that. Um, we'll have discount codes available for that. Yeah, again, we'll have I'm discount sure. codes for that too. Yeah, yeah. I don't think the and course that's going to be January. January, I, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I don't think it's open yet. So still be a little while coming in the future for that. And then, of course, you know, with this episode uh, uploading in early October, 
uh, Vet Tech Week is going to be right around the corner. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be in two weeks, right? Yeah. 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 So um, keep an eye out for that. We'll have a, a lot of great posts and things going on that week as well. Um, and then, of course, you know, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention our Patreon. Um, go to patreon.com slash Cafe if you want to, uh, you know, give us some extra support. We really appreciate it. Uh, we got a bunch of new merchandise in the works. Um, Dave's been working on some T-shirts and some fun new designs and stuff. So uh, keep an eye out for all that. But yeah, we're busy. We're busy. Yeah. busy. <laughs> we're trying to be anyway. We're trying to be. I don't know how well yeah. it's going, but we're trying to be. <laughs> um, well, what do you say? What do you say? We go ahead and get started here. Let's get going. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about today's guest. We have Karen Roach coming by the Vet Tech Cafe today. She's been one of our top fans. For yes, yes. Huge, huge since supporter. Since we started. Yes, huge <laughs> supporter of our podcast, which we greatly appreciate. Karen is originally from the East Coast of Canada, graduated from the Nova Scotia Agricultural College's uh, Animal Health Technology Program in 1994. In 97, after working in general practice, started a new position with Metro Animal Emergency Clin- Clinic in Halifax, Nova Scotia which was the first after-hours uh, veterinary ER to open in Atlantic Canada. Hmm. Uh, in 2000, completed a one-year veterinary technician internship at the AMC Animal Medical Center in New York City. There developed a keen interest in anesthesia and emergency and critical care, which Dave, you and I well understand how that goes. <laughs> um, and after that, then returned back to Halifax and, and the Metro Animal Emergency Clinic, and work towards her VTS uh, in emergency and critical care. And that's how we got to know Karen. She was in our study group and uh, left her native Canada in 2014 to move to New Jersey, where she is now the ICU training mentor at Mount Laurel Animal Hospital for the last couple of years since 2018. Uh, So Karen, thank you so much for coming by the, the Vet Tech Cafe. Thank you for all the support you've given us as we've kind of embarked on this journey. Um, for the conversation today, what can we get you for a cup of coffee? Well, I actually would like a cup of tea. Oh, okay. okay. Yes, just regular... Chai, reg- chai to be chai tea, but it has to have Canadian maple syrup in it. Okay, okay. <laughs> and then a little bit of cream. Okay, well, you're, right. well you're, you're lucky we do have some Canadian maple syrup laying around we can put in there, so we'll, we'll get that going for you. Um, if you don't mind, take a few minutes here and, and take us through your career path, kind of what got you into veterinary medicine, some of the key steps along the way, and, and we're going to spend a lot of time talking about you know what your role is now and, and what that looks like, but fun things or highlights for you along the way. Well, I got into it right in high school, actually. I had intended to go into nursing. You know, humans, Mm. ew, what was I thinking? (laughs) However, my final year of high school, we had a career fair. And I remember going to the Atlantic Veterinary College. They had a booth. And for whatever reason, I just never considered being a veterinarian. I guess I didn't think I was smart enough. And I went and asked if they had any type of veterinary assistant program. I had never heard of veterinary technician at this point. This was, you know, 1990. (laughs) (laughs) So they said, well, we don't, but the agriculture college over there, they have a program. So I went and talked to them, and they told me about it. And I was like, wow, this is cool, because I've always loved animals. We had pets growing up, like multiple. And I'd always been fascinated with medicine. So it's like, this sounds like it. So I got all their information, and then I remember talking to my guidance counselor, and he looked into how much a veterinary technician made. (laughs) And at that time... And you still went for it? (laughs) At that time in Canada, it was about $19,000, $20,000 a year. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, you know. Anyway, but I went for it. I I got accepted the first year I applied. It was a three-year program. 
two and a half years right at the college. And then we had like a, a period where we did some externships at vet clinics. I actually did one at a museum hmm. in the natural history department. Hmm. And then we did a couple of months also at the vet college over on Prince Edward Island and kind of got thrown into a lot of stuff there. And just kind of went from there. So yeah, I started in general practice and then they started opening up this emergency clinic. I wasn't happy where I was. And so I got right on board at this emergency clinic and actually worked opening night. Mm. Oh, and wow. <laughs> at the time it was just me, a vet, a receptionist for that was there half the night. So starting out, none of us knew what we were doing. <laughs> um, it was just like, oh, let's just open up, see what happens. And all of the veterinarians in the city of Halifax were shareholders. So they none of them had to be on call anymore. They sent everything to us. So over the years, we got busier and busier, added more staff, then had to move to a bigger location. So I was there for a while. And then I had worked with someone previously in general practice who had done that internship at the Animal Medical Center in New York. So I decided to give that a shot and went and did that. And I just learned so mm -hmm. much there, like, you know, shifts in ICU, surgery, being on call. And I, you know, just really got into anesthesia and the critical care aspect of everything. So after that, I did go back to Nova Scotia and then eventually decided to torture myself some more and like oh let's get my vts because <laughs> that'll be fun right. that won't be that'll hard. be an easy path looking right. back on so, it it was fun <laughs> <No>? <laughs> maybe we're too study, far we're too far removed from yeah, yes. yeah yeah study group was fun yeah yeah it was and i mean you know i've made some lifelong yeah. friends through that True. so i don't regret the journey at all even though it took me a long time yeah multiple exam lots of crying attempts <laughs> oh lots of crying <clears throat> medication <laughs> yeah but i finally did it so yeah i got it the same year you guys did 2013 and so then yeah it was because of that that it kind of opened up the doors for me to make the move to the states and get into working in specialty practice and and then eventually you know, teaching, training, and lecturing is something I've always wanted to do. So and it got me there. <laughs> <laughs> and what um, was, in terms of what you just said there, moving to the States, was that coming here for a specific job that you couldn't find there? Or did you just want to come to the States? What what kind of made you make that? <laughs> I, I Yeah, I get a lot of why did you move New Jersey? <laughs> New Jersey's beautiful. Um, <laughs> yeah, you were at the beach. You got to see yeah. the nice part. This is I true. won't tell you yeah. what my dad my dad used to call New Jersey. I won't, I won't, the I won't armpit bring... of the United States. Okay, so you've heard you've heard the phrase. Um, okay. Oh, I've heard it. Of course. No, it was um, yeah, uh, job wise in Eastern Canada. Mm. There's. Other than the vet college, okay. which is on an island. Yeah. And, you know, you don't want to be there in the winter. Mm. You either have to take a ferry or there's a fixed link now to get off of it. I, you know, I wanted to, especially after getting my VTS, I wanted to learn more. Mm -hmm. You know, I had learned all this stuff, but couldn't get, put it into practice mm. being at an after hours emergency clinic. So I wanted specialty medicine. And at the time, I knew one of the surgeons at North Star Vets and reached out to him and he put me in touch with the nursing manager i came down for an interview and it all kind of went from there mm. and because even though i was born in canada my father's uh, american mm. 
Oh, okay. So I had dual citizenship, so it wasn't a big deal to ah, move. Okay. I didn't have to do anything special. That's convenient. Um, yeah, yeah, that helps a I lot. I just basically drove to the border. I was like, hi, I'm in. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. This is me. Hi. This is my stuff. <laughs> right. And I, it's not like – and we used to come down. My dad was actually born in, in New Jersey. So we used to come down every summer. We had grandparents mm. here. We had friends here. So I spent a lot of time at the beach and Ocean the City Jersey Shore. Yeah, Jersey Shore. Yep. And I, I do have family here. I have a sister here and a couple of cousins and an aunt. So it wasn't like I was like, ooh, New Jersey. Gotcha. It was like, it's somewhere I know and I have <laughs> yeah, family yeah. plus a great job. Yeah, yeah. So gotcha. Okay. That's how that happened. Cool. So in terms of, you know, we talk about this a lot with a lot of our guests is the, the state of the profession. I, I know everyone has their own opinions on what's great, what's not so great, uh, what needs to be fixed. What's your take on, on that whole question? Where do you see the profession right now and what can we do to make it better? I think the profession is kind of right on the edge of either getting better <laughs> or <laughs> or not yeah like i just i just feel like it could go either way and how to fix it i mean it has to be made to be a sustainable career yeah. mm. i mean you know i think some of us uh, three of us included are kind of aberrations in the field you know they've yeah, done those yeah. studies yeah. that you know technicians stay in the field what five years five maybe to seven 10? yeah yeah and i mean this is my 27th year and it's just for me i can't imagine doing anything else mm -hmm. and i had to i kept challenging myself um which is what part of what has kept me in it but then also just getting good opportunities and actually being able to afford to live yeah mm. But it, that's not the same for everybody, and I think that's the problem. Like, I work with people that they have two, three jobs, and they they barely have a day off. And that's just not a good, sustainable life for anybody, right. no matter how much you love what you're doing. You're right. going to get burnt out. So I just think getting things like that changed, making it a legitimate career. I mean, I know there's this whole nursing initiative and I think, you know, name change aside, that's not the issue. It's getting it to be in every state, yeah. making it, you're a veterinary tech or registered or certified. You, we got to pick one of those <laughs> yeah. as well. Right, yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, there's CVT, RVT, yeah. LVT, yeah. you know, like make it consistent. Yeah. Make it, you have to have that schooling to call yourself a technician. And there just has to be legislation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, you, and I just feel if that doesn't happen soon, it's just going to go back the other way. Because if there's those of us out there that demand a higher wage right. and there's no legislation in place, veterinarians are going to go back. I mean, they're still doing it, but it's going to get worse with them just hiring off yeah. the street and training people. Well, because yeah. it, it, it's cheaper to do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it is. And, and, yeah. Yeah. I, I've been thinking a lot too, you know, recently we talk about the veterinary technician spe profession specifically and, and, you know, sustainability and all that. And, and I, I've been thinking a lot, especially having been at IVEX and seeing a lot of the, the residents and faculty and, and technical staff that I used to work um, with in academia. And I think the, the veterinarian profession is just as broken. I mean, Ka uh, Karen, mm -hmm. you were just mentioning, sure. um, you know, when you started that emergency clinic, all of the vets were stakeholders and they they gave up their ability to be on call, right? The, the veterinary profession historically, and, and when I started, it was the same way. Like you, you worked until the patient stopped coming in and the veterinarian wore a beeper home and was on call. Like 
top to bottom, not just our side of the profession, but I think veterinary medicine at large is broken. And I think we have to fix not just our end, but I think if we can also somehow get the education or the the veterinarian side of things fixed. I mean, when I look at my my wife's student loans and and how much some of her classmates make, you know, if if they graduated vet school and they're a mixed practice veterinarian, they might be making $50,000 in some rural town and have over $300,000 of debt. Like, it's, so it's 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 not just us. It's like so fundamental in in veterinary medicine at large. And in some ways, I think if they can get the veterinarian side fixed, maybe that will trickle down to us and spark help spark some change. But I, the more I think about it lately, the more I think like on a global level. Just my goodness, there's so much work right. to do. They need a they need a work life. Yeah, balance exactly, just as much. exactly. Yeah. And I mean, and it doesn't matter if you're just a you know GP vet or a specialist like i i've seen yeah you'd think oh you're a specialist you know you're going to get decent hours no Mm -hmm. i've seen our internal medicine doctors our critical care doctors there till midnight when they were off at like six or whatever and and now they're so it's just and now this past year has i think just kind of magnified everything Well, not just year. What is it? Eighteen months now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, 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 <laughs> and now you we're can almost be, at the end of the second year, right? Yeah, and uh. you can be so connected now. I mean, you know, it's like it seems so harmless to just respond to an email real quick or respond to you know a medical question in a mm-hmm. chat, and it's like, well, that's way easier than coming into the clinic, sure. But but you're, you're still you're taking always up your time. connected, like, ah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I know one of my fellow trainers at work, like she'll, she'll get upset at me if I answer email on my days off. Yeah. She's like, stop it. Yeah. I'm like, but it was there and it just took a minute. And she's like, yeah, but you do it all the time. Yeah. yeah. And it's hard not it's, to be there it's, for people. It really is. It's, it's, <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Got to take those non-vet days like, <clears throat> like Jeff and I are doing. Yeah. Yeah. Th- yeah. I, that's, that's been really, really helpful. Just taking one day a week where nothing no we don't do we you know dave and i do this we don't work on the podcast we don't do any of our lecture writing you know don't take a shift whatever just one day and yeah it, it, a lot of times it's like three texts in where i'm like wait is this your non-vet day should i not yeah. Be this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so so looking at your your current position now with with mount laurel the this is the icu training mentor which i think is a a just a really cool title and what i have pictured in my mind what that might look like i think especially in that kind of a, a facility that has that level of care and all that. I think that's an incredibly value, valuable position, and I, I love that they actually made that happen. What, is, what does that look like? What, what kind of roles do you take on for the staff, uh, for the patients? What, what does all that entail? Well, it, I kind of was starting from scratch. They were in the midst of expanding the hospital expanding, adding on specialties when I first reached out to them because I was looking for a position that wasn't on the floor as much because of some chronic health issues. And I just happened to hit them at the right time and was like, you know, this is kind of what I envision doing, you know, kind of a combination of lectures, hands-on training, labs. And so that's kind of what it turned out to be. So I spend... 50% of my time in the office, you know, either developing new lectures, developing training plans. And I mean, there's even though we have we do have a an ER training mentor as well, and then a primary care trainer, but we overlap in a lot of ways. And it's just really good to have those two there to bounce ideas off of because, you know, 
So, you know, we have skills lists and we set up wet labs, dry labs, you know, sometimes we'll get cadavers in, we'll teach, you know, different blocks and stuff like that. Um, We recently did a couple of um, dry labs where it was venous access, but using fake, you know, the rolling pin vein thing that I came (laughs) up with. (laughs) Um, Because we have a lot of, you know, new people that, you know, assistants and stuff, and rather than have them poking patients, they can get a feel for, because some people don't even know how to hold a syringe. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. some of these new some people. Some you have to have start really in. basic. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then, so the other days I'm in ICU and, you know, I kind of have my month planned out along with the ICU supervisor of who I'm going to work with that month. So usually it's someone that, you know, is a tech with a fair bit of experience, but they're not that familiar with doing critical care patients. So I'll go in in the morning and I basically will try and cherry pick cases. Okay. Um, I'll be like, ooh, that one looks really sick and that one looks really sick. Okay, we're going to take these ones. And so then I'm there with them. They're doing all the treatments, but I'm there to, you know, guide them and answer questions and like say we get really lucky and it's something that needs a central line placed or an NG tube, then I'll talk them through that. Hmm. So it's kind of a combination of teaching skills as well as knowledge okay Um, okay but i really enjoy it because i just love it when you you're teaching someone something and they get that that the the light bulb moment moment. you know they got it and they did they did something and half the time i think i'm more excited than they are because i'm just like you like you did it you did it like that was awesome like it's just so it's it's so rewarding that way when you get you get to teach someone something and they actually get it and then I also do a lot of, I haven't done any in a while, but I got to start them up again, math classes. That's kind of how my, one of my IVEX lectures came to be, the math one, because uh-huh. mm-hmm. there was just so many people coming and having trouble figuring out yeah. CRIs and stuff like that. Yeah, so yeah. And do you feel kind of like, bounced off of that. like from the the staff that you're mentoring there and, and what have you, do you feel like they're, your role in, in helping them out, like is it pretty well accepted? Like they don't look at it like as they're being micromanaged or anything like that. It's pretty well received, the, the help that you're, yeah. that's great. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I'm not hovering over them. I just kind of sit back and yeah, they really enjoy it. Great. And, but, and sometimes you have to like, I recently had, uh, one of the techs I've been training for a while, she had a parvo patient that needed an NG tube. And she's like, oh, can you can you be there while I place it? And I said, looked at her and I said, how many NG tubes have you placed? <laughs> she's like, nine or ten. And I'm, I've been there pretty much for all of them. And I'm like, see one, do one, teach one. And we happen to have a vet student, you know, hanging out that day. He goes, teach me. <laughs> um, and I'm like, I'm kicking off the training wheels. I'm yeah. like, you know how to do this. You can do it. And she's like, well, can you be in the general vicinity? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm in the I building. I will be in the building. <laughs> so anyway, I went back to my office and I said, text me if you really need me. Anyway, it's like two hours later and I, I took a wander down and I peeked into the isolation room at the Parvo puppy and he had an NG tube in. Nice. And so I went and I found her and I said, you didn't grab... Deb, because there's another VTS that works in ICU that day. And she's like, no, it was just me and the assistant and the vet student. I'm like, okay. Great. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I don't want them becoming too dependent on me sometimes. I got to like, <laughs> yeah, right? you got to swim on yeah. your own. Yeah. It's time. Yeah. It's time. Absolutely. Yeah, kick them out of the nest. Yeah, yeah kick them out of the nest. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Um, so Karen, I guess one thing that I'm thinking of as we're kind of going through this is that I wish there were more ERs or more 
specialty practices that had this type of role available. Amen. Um, you know, with the, the staffing crisis that we're dealing with now, you know, we're, we're constantly saying that we don't have enough technicians, we don't have enough doctors. How are you able to do that and still, you know, tackle the fact that there's just not enough techs in, in this world? Yeah, there definitely isn't. I mean, we're constantly advertising and looking yeah. and <clears throat> maybe a little poaching. Um, <laughs> uh, we, you know, we're just desperate, but I know everywhere is. And I mean, there are some days where it is so busy that, you know, I end up doing more patient care than training. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, like I'm not scheduled as a tech on the floor in ICU. Mm-hmm. So I can sometimes, you know, keep it keep it that way but then on other days it's like you know i just have to help you can't so it is hard yeah yeah and you know that tech schools aren't putting out enough techs and techs aren't staying in the field long enough it's just this vicious circle Mm -hmm. um so i think one of the most important things is keeping the staff that you have and this was part of when i initially approached mount laurel animal hospital with this idea i was like you know investing in your staff and training them and helping them learn like that's part of staff retention mm-hmm. like that's got to help if they're getting that much help and hands on on the job so there's so many things that yeah. go into staff retention yeah. and I, I feel that's part of it yeah absolutely and if you or if the hospital is investing so much into the training of those staff i.e having you have the position that you do to get them to the level where they need to be why would you ever let them walk out the door? Like, yeah. you know, right. that's that's a significant investment that you've made basically for somebody else to then use that talent, skill, and education, you know. Exactly. Yeah, that's... Yeah. And then you bring in somebody else and have to start yeah, start, all over. Start, 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 all over. start at the ground floor again. you're just like, again. oh, yeah. my goodness, we're never going to get to where we right. need yeah. to be. Right. And, and, and I think you, you made another point in there that I think is key in that you said you're not actually scheduled to be on the floor. You you So... They are not necessarily, you're not on the schedule to take patients those days. You are there to oversee or, or help out or mentor those that are actually taking the patients. Whereas yeah. in so many places, it's it's the opposite where you are, you are a regular tech that day, but you also then have to try to train people while you're taking care of your own patients. And it, it just, that just doesn't work. Yeah, you can't. It, it doesn't work. You can't do it. It doesn't work. Yeah. I, I had a similar role like that in one of the practices I work at where... That was my job. I was the training and CE coordinator, and I, it was very similar to what you're doing, Karen. And maybe a couple months into that, they're like, we don't have enough people on the floor. You have to be on the floor now. And yeah. I, I just wish there were more hospitals that, that had that role available. Yeah. Cause, yeah. I mean, it, it'd be so valuable, like, everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, I think it's time to uh, take a short break here, caffeinators. Um, we're going to pay a couple bills here, and we will be right back. The Vet Tech Cafe is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp Online Therapy will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist and you can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line and it's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online that's more affordable than traditional in-person therapy and financial aid is available. Caffeinators receive 10% off the first month using betterhelp.com slash vettechcafe. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, to join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. 
You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. Don't take our word for it. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily at betterhelp.com reviews. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot slash reviews. If you want to take charge of your mental health, visit betterhelp.com slash vettechcafe and get started today and get 10% off your first month. Be well, caffeinators. All right, caffeinators, we are back at the Vet Tech Cafe where it's okay to say, dang, it seems slow today. So, <laughs> so Karen, um, you know, looking at, at uh, training and, you know, Dave kind of brought up the, the staffing crisis and, and you had mentioned as well how some people you're really starting on at a baseline of, of zero in terms of, of knowledge or skill level, what have you. As you're working on bringing these people up, what are some of the, the facets to that that you find to be most important or benchmarks that you find most important? What are some of the things that you think are the most important for you to cover as you're training these technicians to become ICU techs? Well, I'm a little bit different than some of them. Like I like to give them a lot of back, like especially if they if they haven't been through tech school or they're not in the process of tech school, I do like to give them a lot of background knowledge, whether that be sending them training videos. We use the at Dove site quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Like I'll go through and pick and I'm like, hey, watch these before your next shift. Or I'll, I'll send them a handout and be like, read this before your next shift. Just so I'm constantly layering that in as well as the hands-on stuff. And then, you know, they're always welcome to come to any of the lectures, any of the training sessions we have. And like I said, some of these people, you know, we're starting pretty much from scratch. So with these new assistants, we're actually even having animal handling sessions. Mm-hmm. Because we do try to do fear-free and stress-free as much as possible. So... We have them go through like a kind of a discussion-based lecture on reading animal body language. And then we follow that up with a feline handling session, a canine handling session. So there's just so many things. Like some weeks, it's just like I feel like I'm pulled in 18 different directions because, you know, you're doing that. And then I'm like trying to get a lecture ready. And then I'm like, oh, I have to be on the floor tomorrow with so-and-so. And and we got to do this. And it's, it's a lot. And I mean... We did just hire another uh, VTS critical care. She's going to be on the floor at our hospital one day a week. And then our boss owns a couple other hospitals. So she's going to be traveling and training at those ones as well. So having her in there as well, as I think, is going to help quite a bit. Um, just kind of speed up some of the training gotcha. with some of the people. If she can do the week that I can't. And it's, it is a lot. And it's, it's really hard trying to kind of fit everything in that you think that they need and I mean it does help if it is some we do have quite a few that are in the process of either doing like Penn Foster or there are a couple of local you know tech schools and some of them are in the process of that so I find that helps because they're at least building that background knowledge as they're doing the you know the hands-on practical stuff so it's a mix like you know I have both yeah so I feel like with especially the ones that aren't going to school, I do need to kind of layer in some actual, you know, (laughs) handouts (laughs) and reading and video, like, you know, the basics. It's kind of hard for me sometimes because where I'm very much critical care oriented and to kind of have to pull back and go to the basics, I'm like, okay, why do I do this again? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and as far as, or as part of the training, I know 
the vast majority of it sounds like is in-house. Do you does your hospital do any CE output for other clinics in your area? I know Mount Laurel has a, a sister hospital, Absecon, where a friend of mine is is one of the veterinarians there, Doctor Lambert. Like, do you guys work with them at all? Can can their techs go to to Mount Laurel and get training, or do you guys do any for mm-hmm. for other hospitals in in the area? Anything like that? Yeah, he, there's a couple of hospitals that are kind of related to us. You know, Pensacon and Absecon. Cape May now, okay. maybe. And we have had people come from, especially from Pensacon, if we're having, I mean, COVID kind of sure, wrenching yeah, a lot right. of it. But we always send them the invites to any of the Zooms that, you know, lectures that we're Zooming. But we've had had some of them come, like some of them showed up for, we did a dental block on cadavers, uh, dental block lab, and some of them showed up for that. So yeah, they're always um, welcome to come. Cool. And aside from I guess the need to clone yourself. Um, <laughs> what are some of the, the limitations or difficulties that you have with this role? I mean, the biggest thing is just not always having enough people. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I mean, that's the biggest thing, really. And then just not enough hours in the day. <laughs> <laughs> and not enough of us trainers. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it is really good that, you know, we, we do overlap, especially myself in the ER trainer, because she's a VTS critical care as well. But she really likes ER, and I really like critical care, so it works out really well. And then we can share a lot of, you know, because we do have, you know, lectures that people have to go to at least once a year. For, so like CPR, animal body language, stuff like that, that we just like to repeat so that, you know, everyone's on the same page when it comes to that. But yeah, it's just hard sometimes when there's not enough staff, and I just can't do training <coughs> Like, I find that frustrating for sure. Yeah. And and just thinking, like, you know, I said earlier, it would be great if every specialty practice, every ER had this type of role available. How is it that your hospital can do it when others that are kind of in the same situation of not having enough staff, not having enough hours in the day? How, how are you guys able to do that where others are, are kind of not able to do that? What are you guys doing that's different that's allowing you to, to have this role? I, I mean, I think we're very fortunate in that, you know, Dr. Tory one of the owners like is just very basically created these roles and has wanted to stick with them yeah. like mm. he, I, he does get that it's very important and i've been there three years now and the, the training team has definitely gotten a little bit more structured we now have one of the er vets is kind of the head of the training department and she's been great at getting things done like if we have any issues we go to her and so I think just having that kind of management on board with this is your role and it's going to stay this way and we're going to continue to train. And, you know, they're putting out these ads right now. And it r- literally has on there that, you know, that we have training mentors and bringing in people, you know, trying to get people that want to work on their VTS. Like, you know, you'll yeah. have people to help yeah. you. So, I mean, it. it it basically comes down to that yeah. is mm. that you know the owner and management is on board with keeping yeah. that role as it is otherwise but also know. it sounds like you're also using that as a selling point to say yeah. hey come work here because yeah. we have this yeah. because these opportunities exist yeah yeah exactly yeah. and and, and yeah. that's a, i think that's a an excellent point because you have to have the support of management and ownership you know it would be so easy to say Karen you're a VTS ECC while this is your role you are, you know, equally if not more so valuable as a technician for these patients right now. We need you to do this because we don't have the people. As opposed to saying, no, 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 this is your role. We are going to get other people in here for you to continue doing that. That's, 
if, if you don't have that yeah. support or that level of commitment from from ownership and that yeah then then you're never going to get anywhere mm, yeah yeah no that really helps and i mean we have working currently in icu two other vts critical care we have a third one that will be starting in, uh, next month. Oh, wow. I actually met her at IVAC, so nice. it's exciting nice. to get another one on board. <laughs> and, and you <laughs> said like you guys, so that really helps. Yeah, for sure. Sounds like you guys are hoarding the VTS. <laughs> <laughs> shh. No, shush. <laughs> and, and you said there's also uh, an ER um, supervising mentor as well. So do your do your technicians in that department, because I've only ever worked one like specialty level clinic, and, and that was Tufts, where... We did shifts in ER and we did shifts in ICU. They were just separated by a swinging door. So it was, you know, just kind of a mishmash. Do you have people that primarily or just do ER or primarily just do ICU or some people that maybe do a little bit of both? Or how does that, what does that look like for your hospital? We have a few people that do both. Okay. There's a couple of ICU techs and actually the new one that we'll be starting. She's going to be every second week we'll be doing one of her shifts in ER and the rest ICU. And then we have another one that does one shift a week in in ER every week and two in ICU. But for the most part, it is separate. They've talked about kind of conglomerating them, but it hasn't really happened yet. There, the People pick up shifts all the time, sure. like either in, either or. I mean, some people are a little intimidated. They're like, I don't want ICU. I'll just put me in the wards or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they pick up shifts. But for the most part, they are separate. Okay. And then looking at it, the training program and, and what you do with these assistants and techs at Mount Laurel, is that something you basically wrote and implemented? Was there already some infrastructure there? Um, and then kind of piggybacking off of that, like how how would a hospital start something like this? <laughs> That's a really good question. I'm still trying to figure that out. Uh, no, when I started, there was a tech there that was um, like the training coordinator. So she did all like the level tests and making sure people were getting their skills list signed off, but she didn't really do any on the floor training. So I did kind of, you know, she gave me all her tests and skills lists and stuff and kind of went from there. And I mean, I was on my own for like I started in September, then they hired the primary care trainer in December. So I was kind of flailing a little bit at the beginning, I would say, just kind of like trying, like, let's try this, let's try this. Oh, this isn't working. I'll go in another direction because I didn't really have a whole lot of guidance and it was a new position for them. But then getting that second person on board really helped because then we could bounce ideas off each other. And, you know, we really have changed the tests and the levels and, and the skills lists and stuff since then. So, I mean, we do have a training manual that's very much in progress. (laughs) Um, It's hard to find the time to do that when you're doing everything else. I do have a lot of, you know, SOPs typed up. We've actually started a training website now. Um, I mean, somebody else did all the work because we don't know how to do that. We just (laughs) sent them all the stuff. Um, But any, any lectures we do are recorded and then people can get like in-house CE credit for it if they watch them and then answer five questions. We're putting all the SOPs on there, like pretty much. So then people can, you know, access it from anywhere. Like if they're at home hmm. and they're like, oh, I want to do a little learning. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's that's a work in progress as well. We're, we're slowly adding to that website as well. Wow. I just have a quick question for you on, on like training, training philosophies. Um, <laughs> when I was doing that role um they wanted me to come up with a uh, hospital-wide training program 
And I kind of looked at that and I said, well, that doesn't really work out for everyone in, the, in this practice. Do you do kind of a, a, a generalized training protocol or do you individualize it to each individual member? It's really hard to have a hospital-wide one because we have all the specialties and then we also have a primary care side. Mm -hmm. And for right now, all of our level requirements and skills lists are hospital-wide. And, you know, we do get a little bit of pushback from people. They're like, well, I work in primary care and I never, you know, get to place urinary catheters or whatever. So we have discussed at different times, you know, kind of splitting it a little bit, but that's a lot of work. It is a lot of work, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So there have been some people that are motivated. Like we have this, I recently, we had this one technician who worked in primary care surgery and she worked it out with the supervisors and everything that she spent a couple of months working in specialty surgery, you know, learning how to use a ventilator and learning how to, you know, anesthetize critical patients. And she didn't want to stay there, but she wanted that learning behind mm-hmm. her, which is really great because now that she's back in primary care surgery, she's really great at training other people. Yeah, absolutely. So we do have people that are motivated enough to want to do a little extra. Yeah. I mean, there Mm -hmm. have been some people that what they'll do is come in for four hours on their day off and train with me or something like that. So, Hmm. And uh, I'm really interested, too, in uh, you said that a lot of the lectures and training things are recorded and and banked on a site that that your employees can access kind of at any time. I think that's a fantastic idea. Is that that just for your network of hospitals and employees, or is it like a service that, you know, somebody else could log into or – pay for a lecture and just watch it or, or anything like that at this point it's just just for just for okay gotcha yeah gotcha because that's kind of the at dev model right where they right yeah they started out doing it all in in hospital then said hey other people would benefit from this too right, right. Yeah. yeah yeah just just what you need to do write more lectures and yeah yeah <laughs> put something else on your plate <laughs> yeah um, well, as we kind of start to to head towards wrapping up an hour here, I'm just curious if there's anything else in terms of training new employees, mentoring new employees, anything in that realm that we haven't talked about yet that you want to discuss or get out to the caffeinators or, or even, you know, how to, I guess maybe one question, one additional question I have, let's say there's somebody listening right now that's in a multi-specialty hospital like Mount Laurel. If, if they want to say, start this position that you're in, what advice would you give them to go to their management or ownership and say, Hey, how, how can we make this happen? Yeah. You'd have to put together kind of a plan. Okay. Like I, I, when I went in for my first, uh, I had a phone interview that I had made notes for because <laughs> <laughs> I just did. like that. <laughs> of course I did. And then I had a whole notebook when I went in for my in-person interview and just gave them the ideas of things that I wanted to do and kind of had a plan of a very loose plan at that point of kind of what I wanted to do, like the mixture of lectures and training sessions and hands-on. So you really kind of need to put together a at least a somewhat cohesive plan mm-hmm. before you go to them. And then, yeah, you really need to have management on board to stick with that and not have you shunted to the floor all the time because right. they're busy. Right. Because it's like, it's just going to, I feel like if that happens, you're just going to end up with more turnover Mm -hmm. and more Mm -hmm. people leaving Mm -hmm. because they're just not getting the training that they want. Right. Yeah. So yeah, getting management on board is going to be number one. Mm. 
do you, do you think it would be smart to say, like, I don't know if you did this or, or if it's just coming up in my mind right now, is if you were going to propose this role to say, I need to be doing this at least 75% of my hours here and offering up 25% of your time to be on the floor. Um, right. Because like I you mean, said, naturally, I... that's what, the, what they're going to want is eventually say, we don't have enough people here today. So guess who's going on the floor? It's you. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, maybe starting it that way. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And, you know, hopefully it grows from there. And I mean, and having more people that can do it. I mean, and it's not like other people can't train. I mean, we have some fantastic techs in ICU and ER that are constantly helping and training other people Mm -hmm. as they go. So, yeah, we do kind of a lot of uh, like when we have new people starting, they finish a couple of days of onboarding and then we get them for three weeks. And we put them with different people around the hospital, like new assistants, Mm -hmm. like they have to work with housekeeping for a little bit, and then another assistant. And then we'll even put them in um, surgery prep, just so they kind of get a feel for all those kind of roles. And then if it's a technician, you know, we're going to put them in lab for a little bit, we're going to put them in pharmacy, maybe even specialty surgery. And then of course, ER and ICU gives them time to learn their way around the hospital, because it's a pretty big building. Mm -hmm. And that way, they're also meeting people and getting to know people in other departments departments because if you go in and you're just sucked right into specialty surgery you never get to know anybody and then that way that also kind of hopefully will make them want to pick up shifts in other areas too if they kind of get a get an introduction to it at least or teach them that i don't want to go there ever again <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Not too. yeah yeah i really don't like that yeah. department <laughs> no <laughs> could happen yeah so karen another thing we like to ask our guests is there a person that you would like us to interview next or a topic you want us to explore uh in an upcoming episode man you guys have interviewed a lot of people we have <laughs> there's some big great Was, guests is on this like there 67 68 Something like that, yeah. Really. Yeah. It's a lot. Well, I mean, you doubled up on a few. Well, yeah. 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 Liz, yeah. Liz, Liz, Liz and, Houston and, uh, a couple of times. Ed, we, Ed, we doubled Ed, up Ed, on. Ed, we, yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Hmm. We've already I interviewed can... Tasha, so you can't say her. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I don't know. Okay. You guys okay. just already kind of have a, a good We've list. We've covered of, it all. And, yeah. I mean, you've covered it all. <laughs> I mean, you know, like mental health and... Where the field is going, and yeah. All right. Well, if you think of anybody, definitely oh, shoot definitely us a shoot will. us a message for sure. Well, it's time for our would you yeah. rather question. Oh yes. no! <laughs> worried about this. The Don't most <laughs> the most stressful part of the interview. <laughs> it is. It really is. I don't think it is. No. No. Uh, All right. No. Are you ready for it? No, oh, I guess so. All right. Would you rather? Wake up as a new random person every year and have full control of them for the whole year, or once a week you spend a day inside a stranger without having any control of them. <laughs> this is I, very strange. I know. I, mean, first, I know everybody listening like couldn't see Karen's facial reaction. When that <laughs> question was asked. That was that was priceless. <laughs> I couldn't tell where that was going. Um, I think just the one day a week. Just a one day in, just, inside of a, a random stranger that has no, you have no control over them? Yeah, but it's only one day. I don't think I could do a whole year. <laughs> a whole year. Every year. But a whole year, you'd have, you'd have full control you, of them. Yeah, you would just fully be them. But, but I don't get to pick who yeah. it is. No, you don't. No, That's true. Sorry. That's true. And at least six days a week. It's a, it's a good, you know, six days a week, you could just be yourself. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
Um, well, Karen, it was wonderful to uh, to share a cup of coffee with you today, and thank you so much for the insight on training and mentoring new technicians, and and, and honestly, the the infrastructure that that Mount Laurel is built up and allowing that to be part of their model, because I think that's really, really important for this industry to be able to offer that. So thank you very much for coming by and, and taking the time out to, to chat with us all about it. Um, it was great to see you a couple weeks ago at IVEX. Hopefully we'll see you again soon. And um, yeah, it was wonderful to, to yeah. chat with you again. Yeah. No, it was great to be on here. Good. I had a lot of fun. Good, good. I love your podcast. <laughs> thank you very much. Well, thank you, well, You cover a lot of important topics and... It's it's good for the field, I think. We certainly try, and we have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. well, thank you, caffeinators, for tuning in to another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe podcast. Um, we'll see you guys again soon. We'll be do, we'll be doing a tap room episode very soon as well to uh, to promote upcoming Vet Tech Week. So keep an eye out for that. And in the meantime, we hope you guys are well, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. Bye, guys. Hello, caffeinators. We wanted to thank Dog Days Consulting for managing our social media and helping with the interior design here at the Vet Tech Cafe. They don't just do social media. They can help you identify your brand through brand coaching. The founder is a CVPM with 15 years experience in veterinary practice management. They are a small business proudly serving the veterinary community, and we are thrilled to be working with them. Check them out at www.dogdaysconsulting.com. Hey, caffeinators! We would like to thank you for listening to the Vet Tech Cafe podcast today. As everybody is well aware by now, we often talk about difficult issues that face our profession. In addition, we chat with colleagues and leaders in our field who have strong opinions of these issues. Those opinions expressed by either Dave or Jeff as the hosts, or those opinions expressed by our guests, are their opinions alone and do not represent any other person, business, institution, or any other entity inside or outside of the scope of veterinary medicine. If you have any questions relating to this, please email us at vettechcafe at gmail.com or visit our website www.vettechcafe.com. Lastly, whatever platform you utilize to hear our dulcet tones, please rate and review our podcast and like and follow our Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn pages as well to see what we're up to. From all of us at the Vet Tech Cafe, have yourself a great day.